Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Good morning. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I wanted to thank you Uh-oh. because last night she has that look on her face. You can't <laughs> see it. She has some kind of grin. No, truly, last night I had the most amazing Saturday night mm. when you took two kids to the movies. And I got to stay home with Lucy, and she studied for a science test, and I got to work on this podcast. Wow. And it was a rockin' Saturday night. That sounds so fun. (laughs) So awesome. I'm glad. You're welcome, I guess I should just say. And you're a champ because you're about to go preach a sermon right now, and you snuck this into your morning. Once again, we're doing a Sunday morning recording. It's kind of become our pattern. Pre-church, everybody. Chill out. (laughs) So this is... One of my favorite topics. I'm excited to talk about it. And I taught on this a couple weeks ago at a youth retreat with one of our local church networks in our city. I had a great time. Shout out to those youth, if any of them ever (laughs) listen to this. Yeah, never going to happen. It's okay. We (laughs) love them anyway. It's such a popular topic. It feels like the market is saturated with resources on identity, Mm -hmm. at least the Christian world. There's a lot out there. And not just the Christian world. I'd say the secular world as well. True. Tons. And so it kind of feels like, why would we address this? But I want to, because it's been such a powerful part of my growth in Christ. And I believe it's truly essential for every believer And that as long as we're on this earth, until we are with Jesus, we're going to be growing in not just knowing our biblical identity, but living it out and living out of it and gaining more and more freedom from the bondage that comes with worldly sources of identity. And just because it's so gospel-centered, just like we would say you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day, that would be a simplistic way, maybe, or kind of the core Mm -hmm. idea around this idea of identity, of reminding yourself who you truly are in Christ, and then how that impacts your life, how it frees you up to truly follow Him and serve mm-hmm. Him. I really grew in this area in my upper 30s. <laughs> and so if there's any way I can help people grow in this area earlier in life, then that's awesome. No doubt. That if we could have more freedom earlier on and be more aware times, of this. Right, said that many times in the process of why couldn't we have had some breakthroughs in this area a little earlier. The other side of that, though, I think that there are some life realities that mm-hmm. hit you at that time that maybe you just couldn't experience or you're not able to access those parts of your heart and in your life because you just not lived that long. You've not experienced right. enough yet. Right. So you can't always rush it like right. you want to. Also, what we're about to share with you, this teaching on a biblical identity versus a worldly identity I hope this will be a simple tool that people can use, not just for us, but for our partners on the field, for youth. I think it is extra needed for youth because in that age of teens, early 20s, you're trying to make a lot of decisions and figure out who you are and what you're going to do with your life and in our parenting. It's true. So, And our parents have a huge role (laughs) in how we form our identity. So this is really helpful for us to think through for as parents as well. Yeah. I think it was really impactful just in the feedback that we got from the youth, even as we were there at the retreat together. I think a lot of them were really impacted by it. It is such a pivotal time, such a crucial time in their lives, making so many decisions and also really trying to figure out. And honestly, I think that we talked about it there. These youth struggle with this question at a 
maybe a deeper level or it's just more intense than it was when we were that age because there's so many different things coming at them. Mm-hmm. I think the world is telling them so much more or at least they have access to so much more than we did. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of, I think, just mental anxiety yes. and emotional stress that they face that was a little lessened. We just didn't have access to all that when right. we were kids. That's right. Thank God. Yes. So we're going to talk about what we even mean by this word identity. How does anyone have a sort a sense of identity in their lives? What does the Bible say about who we are? And then what does the world say about who we are? And then discuss that a bit. Discuss. Okay. All right. Can't wait. So when we use the word identity, we are meaning what we think about ourselves. Okay. So my identity is what what I think and believe about myself and particularly what gives me value or worth and purpose. So this is more than just my role, my career, what I do for a living, my background, my nationality. It's more than that. It's deep in my core, what I believe gives me worth. And even to put it kind of crudely, like the price tag on me, what am I worth? How much am I worth? And what gives me that worth? And who decides it? How do we develop this? And how do we even become aware of it? Because like we said, we both became more aware of this in our upper 30s, it seemed. And so- Which was very recent, by the way, in case anybody- like yesterday. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Just happened. But it's so much of this is like subconscious and we just do it without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And part of what I'm sharing, I did learn from the mental health coach training that I went through. And these counselors helped me understand that None of us has an identity apart from relationships in our life. And children definitely get their identity from the people around them, the people closest to them. There's no way any child could figure out who they are apart from people. And of course, parents have the greatest influence on that normally. So we all get false beliefs about our identity. And some of those can come from insecure attachment to your parents However, this whole world, (laughs) the air we breathe, is not gospel-focused. It's not Bible-based. And so we shouldn't be surprised when people have struggle to have a clear biblical identity. Talk a little bit more about insecure attachment to parents. I'm not sure that people who Mm. are unfamiliar with that language, they may not know exactly what you mean. Our relationship with our parents is like the foundation of who we believe we are, what what we believe we need to do to get worth, how we relate to God, and how we relate to others. Now, all parents are flawed, and all parents have their own unique personalities. And so you could have the most amazing Christian parents in the world, and still you're going to have some identity struggles, right, or relational struggles in life. But some people, if they're born in homes where they are not loved for who they are, where they're not where their parents are not dependable or their parents don't speak loving words to them show them affection show them a certain level of unconditional love then those people really struggle to think rightly about who they are god redeems everything there's power in jesus but also some people do have more to overcome in this area than others that's good So some of our listeners grew up in these wonderful Christian homes, and you all have less to overcome. Some of you grew up with parents who abused you, parents who were not dependable, parents who betrayed. And so that's an important part 
of how we became who we are today. And all of that would be on the scale of attachment to your parents, like an insecure attachment would be those that you were describing, more of a maybe neglectful, not responsive to your needs, those kinds of mm -hmm. things. Secure attachment would be the opposite, where parents yes. are responsive, they're engaged, yes. they're with you, but also recognizing that, like you said, you could have very engaged, even responsive parents, and still struggle with these issues like we all do. That's exactly. just human right. life. Right. Also, we know as believers, what we believe about ourselves has been screwed up since the fall in Genesis 2. We've talked about this in many episodes, but when sin entered the world, fear and shame came with it. And with shame comes hiding. And so we're going to see that this worldly identity, fear and shame is just a thread that is woven through all of it. We also know as believers, we cannot have a right identity about ourselves without knowing who God is. That is the most important thing. And my hesitation in recording an ep another episode on identity is this thought of, oh gosh, we're too me-centered. We need to focus on God. We need to worship God and that's going to sort everything out. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. However, there's a ton of Bible verses on who we are, who we are just as people in general, as image bearers of God. That's really important for people to understand who we are apart from Christ and who we are in Christ. And so we're going to be focusing on who we are in Christ. Right. To your first point, all of our identity, our thoughts about it are connected to relationships. It doesn't occur outside of relationship. And the primary relationship in determining our identity is how we relate to God and how we understand, understand ourselves in relation to him. Do we understand ourselves as creations of him in his image? If we've been born again, do we understand ourselves as redeemed? Do we understand ourselves as in him? Yes. So he is, that relationship is the foundational relationship. Yes. And sadly, even when we're believers, we can get stuck in being so concerned with, I've got to be aware of all my sin, that we can actually see ourselves as people who are not in Christ. and lose so much joy and freedom because of that. And I think I did that for a bit and still do that some. You know how people who are like detectives who have to figure out if money is counterfeit money or not? Money detectives. <laughs> is that what you mean? What are they called? No, those money detectives, yeah. Okay, yes. Just roll with that. The money detectives. <laughs> they have to study genuine USD. You saw a movie about that, didn't you? I've heard this illustration. You oh, haven't? Right. And you have to know every detail of that dollar bill and that $10 bill and that $20 bill. You have to know every detail of it. And then when you see fake money, you know it's fake. That's good. Okay. No doubt. So we're going to do the same thing. We're going to start with our biblical identity. And Just like then money detectives. We <laughs> will be false identity detectives and we will know and we'll be able to sniff it out when it comes at us. So, all right, believers, don't get into this, okay, I'm going to get bored now because I already know who my identity in Christ is. Also, there can be a feeling of where in the world do you start? There's like a thousand verses on this and a whole huge list of adjectives that we could say about who we are in Christ. So I want to keep it really simple. And we want a new believer to quickly know who they are in Christ. So guess what? Just from the gospel, just from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, one of those core gospel passages, we can learn so much about who we are. 
right? In Christ. Yep. So I'm going to trust that my listeners are familiar with that passage. But as a quick refresher, this is where we learn about who we were apart from Christ, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, that we were following the prince of the power of the air and just living for our lust, children of wrath, lust, passions, desires of our flesh, children of wrath. That's who we were. We were dead spiritually, separated from God. And then the beautiful verse in verse four, the most beautiful but did in you, the Bible. Did you get that from somebody? <laughs> but God, but God, because of, of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. So just from these verses, we learn our identity. We are greatly loved by God. We are spiritually alive in Christ. We are saved by grace. We are raised up with Christ and seated in the heavenly places. We have the immeasurable riches of grace upon us, just buckets of grace poured upon us. And we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared for us. That's just the gospel. That's just the basics. That's mm -hmm. what you get right when you get saved. However, we know there's so much more that we could talk about. So if we just look on that same page in our Bible, in the first chapter of Ephesians, it's another very famous, wonderful, encouraging, life-giving passage where it talks about all these spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Do you want to share those? Because we're in Him, right? Yes. That's the chosen in God. Before the foundation of the world, be holy and blameless. We're predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, accepted by God, redeemed by His blood, forgiven of all of our sins according to the riches of His grace. We have that inheritance. Uh, we are made to the praise of his glory, and we're sealed with the Spirit. That's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire it. Such amazing truths. And a couple of unique things about getting your identity from the Bible and from what God says about you is God is the authority on these things. No one else. My opinion, your opinion of me, my parents' opinion of me, the general public's opinion of me, it's not the authority. God is. And God has all authority. He's the only trustworthy source. No person is trustworthy, right? God is the only one who is perfect, who is all-knowing, and who is the trustworthy source of truth that we could count on to tell us who we really are. Any other source of identity is changing and changeable, mm -hmm. right? It will go up and down. Only God's is unchanging, unchangeable. Nothing could ever change all of these truths about me. That's pretty amazing. It is. That's freeing. It's powerful. I think there's also the temptation as believers, maybe as you are listening to us read through those things, there's maybe a bit of a tendency, if you've been around this for a while, to check out a little bit, for that to become yes. very routine. It's almost like you've heard those words so much, they begin to lose meaning. And so there is a reality of we struggle with this because we don't take the time to engage because things seem so familiar mm -hmm. or because we buy into the lie that, oh, we've heard this so much, there's no power in that. I need like something else. Yeah. I need to move on and find something new. So we try to shift, look for a new foundation, a new source of identity. And what we really need to do is just take time, dig in and remind ourselves that these are great spiritual truths that are the foundation of our life in Christ. Right. And there's far more there than we tend to think. That if we've gotten bored with that, that's our issue of not taking the time to really think through and believe in these promises for ourselves. Right. 
We all get bored with it. We all love novelty. We love new things. We love quick entertainment. Make me feel happy. Entertain me. Give me something new and interesting, right? That's why we don't, first thing we wake up in the morning, open our Bibles, we open our phones. We also, many of us as believers, we have had knowledge of this, but it hasn't really transformed our lives. It, you know, the saying, like, it has to travel from your head to your heart. And I think that's really true because you can know this and not really, really deep down believe it about yourself. Mm -hmm. I think I have been that way at times in my life. We also have identity amnesia. We forget. I can like have an amazing worship experience where I feel so secure in Christ. And five minutes later, if I have a negative comment said to me or a child do something that I don't like, I can forget it, right? Because we're sinful people. We also have all these voices telling us false beliefs about how we get our identity. We all are going to be dealing with this and growing in this until the day we're with Jesus. So let's, now that we have our clear picture, biblical identity, let's look at a worldly identity. According to the world, what gives us a sense of identity? Who, who am I according to the world? And where do I get my worth? I'm going to sum it up with, ready? Three Ps. What? Three Ps. You are just... Okay, so you all you can remember this. You are pulling from the preacher playbook today. I know, right? You got illustrations. You got <laughs> alliteration. I'm ready for this. You got this. sayings. Look at you. <laughs> all right, here's what the world says where you get your worth. Three Ps. The first one is who I am is based on my performance. Second, who I am is based on people-pleasing, getting the admiration and approval of others. The third one is who I am is based on perfectionism, meeting these certain standards, following the rules. Fear and shame are fueling all of these, and we're going to talk about that a bit more later. But Meaning if you fail to meet these things that you feel like are the foundation that you will experience fear and shame, that you will be separated from people. People will cast you out, not accept you, not love you for who you yeah. are. Yeah, and I think maybe subconscious feelings of shame are what lead us to pursue these things. It can be very deep. And Why do you need to perform if you already know who you are in Christ? Are you not good enough as you are? This is I rhetorical, right? You're not asking me. You don't want me to answer right <laughs> I'm now. I'm asking you. <laughs> confess, confess your shame. Wow. <laughs> this became a different episode. Who? Let's talk about the three Ps. First of all, performance-based identity. Who I am is based on my performance, my success level, my accomplishments. This is, I think, the blood that just flows through my veins. And I know we've talked about this. We are very similar some people in marriage are blessed with having two very different personalities. We actually are really similar. And so we both can understand each other well on this. But this is a false belief that I have to prove my worth through what I, what I do. This means on any given day, I have to like earn my right to be on the earth. Okay. I can speak about this with great authority because I know how it feels. If I don't have anything to show for myself at the end of the day, then that day and my contribution to the world was a waste. I'm going to talk maybe in drastic terms here, okay? But if I do a lot 
if I accomplish, if I have something to show for myself, if I am successful, then I am very valuable. I am worthy to be on this earth and breathing this oxygen and I'm making a valuable contribution to the world. You earned your place. I earned my place. <clears throat> That's a lot about earning. <clears throat> earning yes. approval, earning your own kind of self-approval, earning that standard that you feel like you're, you are compelled to reach. Yes. So that people will accept you and love you. Yes. And admire and you even. It's an elusive standard. It like you reach one level, it doesn't last very long. You have to keep going. You have to get more. It's all about doing. It's not about being, as some people will say. Um, and there's a fear. Are you going to say that preacher one? <coughs> We're human. We're human beings, not, not human, human doings. doings. There's another one for you. Yes. You're welcome, folks. So there is a fear here of not being good enough, not doing enough, not working hard enough. And really, people who are very strong in this, just in their personalities, we really just want to be the best. We, along with our son Gus, just finished reading the book, The Band of Brothers. Those guys. I've read it. I've read it before. Just to I be know. Like, you're like many times. You love I just have it. to put that you've out there. It, you've read it. You've read it. You've watched it. You've yeah. done it all. Several times. You're basically Dick Winters. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, oh, those gosh, guys. I've been waiting so long to hear that. <laughs> those it's guys. Great. This is like. They don't get extra pay. Mm -hmm. They were like volunteering for extra training and discipline and hard work and sacrifice and danger because they wanted to be the best and work with the best. No Sorry. one made them. This can also lead to anxiety because we always have to do more, get the next accomplishment. No accomplishment lasts very long. And so our previous accomplishments we forget about and we're always looking for the next thing. And it, this can be actually when it's too much. <laughs> it can be unloving and self-centered because that can keep me from serving others if I'm so worried about accomplishing my goals. It can be for our own glory instead of for God's glory. And it can be very actually destructive for relationships when people are workaholics and they are not prioritizing important relationships in their life because of their personal work goals, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, no doubt. We were talking about it before, but like the guys in Band of Brothers or those who have are high excellers or achievers, they're pursuing things, this can be good. There's biblical talk about doing hard work, right? If we didn't have people who are doing hard things, who strove for great things, then our existence, life, history would be very different mm -hmm. and much poorer. Mm -hmm. So just to think about, there is a redeemable aspect of this. There's also just a a common grace aspect of it, that mm -hmm. people are made to do that. Even non-believers are made to do that, to work hard, mm -hmm. to strive for good things, to strive for excellence. So that is just a basic truth about life. Yes. But then there's the truth that we take that then and we make it a part of our identity right. and make our identity dependent on whether we do that well or not. Right. That's the problem. That's the problem. Because God gave us work to do. Right before sin entered the world. But when work becomes our idol, it becomes a source of identity for us, then that's what we're talking about here. The second P for a worldly source of identity is people-pleasing. This is when- two Ps. Good job. My perception of people. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Just stop. Too much. Okay. 
this is the false belief that my identity is based on what others think of me. This is a terrible source of identity because people's opinions are not perfect. People are unpredictable. People are sinful. Sometimes my perception of what people think of me is wrong, right? So this belief means I have to have the approval of at least some people, significant people to me, to feel good about myself. If a lot of people or certain people agree that I'm good, then okay. I'm okay. And there's a fear of judgment here. There's a fear of rejection and also can result in social anxiety. I'm not free to just be myself and be who I am because I really need you to like me. I really need you to approve of me. I'm thankful. This is something that I feel like God has given me a lot of freedom in. However, it still comes up. I definitely still have moments where, I'm, where I see that red flag in my life. I would say for me, performance is kind of the number one driver. Driver, yeah, like where I would n just naturally be drawn to to get a source of identity. And but I do have many good friends where this is their number one thing: people pleasing. And I know it can result in not feeling like you can say the complete truth to others because you really want to please them more than you want to say what God wants you to say or more than just what is truthful. There's also can be withdrawal or isolation or loneliness that comes with this because, again, we're not letting ourselves be fully known because we're afraid of rejection. So I can't show you my weaknesses because you might reject me and I need your, I need your approval. And I think many people, we could hear 10 compliments, <laughs> but if we hear one negative comment, then that's all we need. And that's what we will remember. And all of us have those in our memories of negative things people have said about us that we might believe, especially if it was a parent or a teacher or someone in a position of authority or influence over us. And so that's where we need God's word to trump that. The third P is perfectionism or meeting certain standards or following the rules, doing things just right. This is a false belief. Who I am is based on meeting certain standards or following rules or being perfect. Now, where do these standards come from? Well, it could be from the leaders or authorities in our life. It could be our church. It could be kind of subconscious that I just somehow pick up on. It could be our parents. It could be ourselves. And there's a false belief that those who fail, those who are imperfect, are unworthy of love. This also results in a lot of anxiety because I have to be perfect. And if I mess up, then I cannot forgive myself. And I can just beat myself up for being imperfect. We can be harder on ourselves than we are others. If I get down to the car and realize I've forgotten my key in the house, I can like get so mad at myself in a way that I would never do to somebody else. I would tell someone else, it's fine. You're human. We all do that, right? But just the way that we can speak in such harsh ways to ourselves when we make mistakes. Again, this is not my biggest issue. I'm actually okay with breaking rules if it helps me get my Achieve. goals. <laughs> so, nice. I mean, just being honest, sometimes I don't care about rules. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I have friends who are in this category. 
And they are wonderful people to have on your team. But I know that they live under a high level of judgment of themselves Mm -hmm. and that they can sometimes that can be passed on to others. They can be judgmental of others. I I can be judgmental of others. Um, But there's a fear of condemnation, a fear of failure, a fear of not being good. And that slowly over time become internalized. This is really I feel like this is like the approval of others just internalized Mm. because something you have this idea of some standard that you got from somewhere who knows where and when you fail it you impose on yourself some kind of penalty i think let's talk about the self-talk thing a little bit that's so strong and i think so insidious because people don't realize it a lot yeah i was just having a conversation the other day and a brother sharing about some very harsh ways that he was speaking to himself for not not fulfilling what he felt like were his responsibilities and how powerful that's been in my own life when I've been able to even say that to you, like, hey, babe, this is what I thought about myself. These are, these are the actual words that came into my mind about myself that were super harsh. And I think because we've not, I think we've not mentioned it yet, but we really need to mention it, that all of these things, all of our failures in this, all of this struggle for identity and these false identities are also encouraged and empowered by, wait for it, the prince of the power of the air. That's straight out of Ephesians 2, chapter P's, all of it. That's right. But the reality that Satan is empowering so much of this, and I think maybe one of the clearest places you can see that is in this Mm self-talk thing. It's like, where did that voice come from? Where did that condemnation, why am I cursing at myself right now? Yeah. And there is so much spiritual power entangled in all of these things because he is the accuser Mm -hmm. of the brethren, that he specifically wants to seed those types of thoughts in our hearts, in our minds, so that they would come out. And that would be the that would be the thing that we're listening to. So the struggle isn't just with our sinful flesh. It's not just what the world tells us, but it's also what Satan is speaking to us constantly, the ways he's accusing us. That's why it's hard to remember. That's why we have yeah. amnesia. That's why we struggle to take these things from our head to our hearts, because there's this other voice speaking and accusing us along the way. The Bible calls Satan an accuser and a deceiver, right? So that's what he does. If there's accusation coming at us, he's happy. What you know, it's either from him or he's just fully supporting it. And and he deceives. So he's telling us lies about who we are. I think he's telling us about who we are apart from Christ a lot of times and wanting us to believe that. And so there is this motivation I feel. Why would I agree with him? You know, like I don't want to agree with him. He's already accusing me. Why should I agree and accuse myself? That isn't the voice I want to agree with. And sometimes he gets really obvious. And this is what I is difficult in the moment, but I rejoice in when sometimes I feel like he speaks so loudly and obviously to me that I can call him out and then like call in Jesus's help in a powerful way. And I feel like I get this like real victory over Satan. And I guess just get to like rejoice in that. That's right. Because so often he's subtle and we don't call him out on mm-hmm. it. Those are our three sources that the world says are how we get our sense of identity and who we are through performance, through people pleasing and perfectionism. I want to just give three quick Jesus solutions to those things. Okay. Performance. Why do we not have to earn our worth through doing all this, all these great things and hard work because of justification? 
we are complete in Christ. We are fully pleasing to God because of what Christ did for us. And so we can rest in that. We are saved by grace. We are not saved by our hard works. My work and my accomplishment adds nothing to how much God loves me or how valuable I am. So the answer to performance, one of many answers, is justification. The simple gospel truth, we're saved by grace. Because the essence of performance is earning, Mm -hmm. and the essence of justification is grace, which is opposed to earning. It's the exact opposite. So for people-pleasing, the Jesus-provided solution is our reconciliation to God. Just think about this. I don't have to have perfect relationships with all the people around me, or I don't have to have their approval, because in Christ, I have an unbreakable connection to God because of the blood of Jesus. God now fully accepts me and approves of me, and I have fellowship with him forever. And just to think of the power of that, and he tells me who I am, so I don't need you to. In fact, I become less and less concerned about how you see me because we become confident in who Christ says we are, and that allows us to have those moments of negative feedback or rudeness, and and we're okay. Mm -hmm. For perfectionism, it is the propitiation that Jesus provides on the cross, that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God towards us on the cross. Our sin, our imperfections were completely paid for. So in Christ, we are completely forgiven. When we sin, when we whether we sin or we just mess up and we have weaknesses, we're okay because we know we are completely forgiven and God does not have any wrath or punishment towards us in those moments. Won't be counted against us. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just want to give one more example, illustration, for what determines our worth and how we see ourselves. When you came back from America, you brought me a new pair of running shoes. Nikes. Nice Nike Air Zoom something. And they're nice, high-quality, good running shoes. And I also have a pair of shoes here that are good old Bata flip-flops. Okay, Bata is an Indian brand. Walmart? There you go. There you go. Walmart shoes. Which one is more valuable? The Nike, of course. <laughs> I know because I paid for them. Okay. And how do you know? Because of the price. Because of the price tag. That's what we look at to know how much something is worth. Yeah. It's the price tag. That tells us. That's the authority to us anytime we have an item. It is how much could I sell this for or how much did I pay for it? And so I think literally we need to ask ourselves, what is the price tag on me and who determines it? Well, God actually paid a price for us. He gave his son. He gave his blood. That's the price of me. I can actually put a sticker on me and say, I'm worth the blood of Jesus. And how amazing that is. There isn't 
anyone in the world that I would say, okay, you're so valuable. I will give my son Gus for you. I would never do that. Just to think how much God loves us and the value he gives us. He paid such a high price. So again, I know we just get over this and, but man, I, I just pray listeners that you rejoice right now <laughs> in your value mm. because God says you are worth the life of his son. Yeah. Let's not move on from that too quickly. There's just such power in that thought. There's such power in that illustration. Even when you were sharing it with the youth group, I think mm -hmm. just to recognize that truth that mm -hmm. that's what we're worth. We're worth what was paid for us. And that was the blood of Jesus, God's mm -hmm. own son. That is the basis of the gospel. That's the most basic truth that there is. And it's the thing that transforms us. It's this thing that makes us new. It's the solution to all these issues. So if you are struggling about your worth, remember that you are the, you're the Nikes, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're the, maybe more than like the running shoes, right? What do, right. What, we get like medium levels, so it's there's true. probably some really cool You're ones. You're the really nice ones, okay? Whatever <laughs> those are, we're not into preacher sneakers and stuff. The $200 ones. Same. Okay, three? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> anyway, before we wrap up, I want to add one little part here about the power of God's redemption in our lives. We all have our own personalities that feed into our identity, mm -hmm. right? We all have our own unique pasts, our experiences, our childhood is a huge factor. We all have our parents' influence on our lives. And so- Wait a, wait a second. <laughs> did you just do three Ps again? I did, I did. Oh my goodness. God redeems wow. all of those. And all of those for, for most of us are a mixed bag, right? My personality, I have strengths and weaknesses. My past, I have amazing parts of my past that have made me who I am. I have difficult parts. My parents, really heavy on the awesome side, but they're people and they're human. So they, they're they both people and human. There you go. Good job. <laughs> and imperfect. Could you make those peace? Okay. And they had their own personalities and pasts. I just want to maybe talk about that for a second because... We all know having a high drive or ambition, there's so much goodness to it. So when you get saved, if you're like one of those people, how does God redeem that? Yeah. We recently read a book about George Washington called His Excellency. And George Washington, whoa, he takes like this performance-based identity to another level. That man was driven. And the author pointed out, it's a good thing George Washington had like a really high noble cause to work for and to just sacrifice for and give everything for. Otherwise, he could have become really just narcissistic and selfish. Right. What's that like for us when someone who's very driven gets saved and now they're in Christ and they don't have to do any of that work? to win God's approval, and they're free from that, how does God redeem that personality? Well, I think it's complicated. I think that there's, there's the, okay, this is the way that it should work in my life, that it should free me to do these things and to think less about people. 
And so there's always the struggle that those things are still creeping in. Like, what are people thinking of me? I do have this standard that I want to achieve. And I think also the reality of all of our motives are mixed. We'll never completely banish these peas from our lives, right? They're always going to be there. They're always going to be creeping in and encroaching on our hearts and always coloring and diluting, I think, what we would want to be the pure motives that we're pursuing in the work that we do. So just that acknowledgement, I think, that those things are there. And for that not to lead to paralysis, <laughs> boom. I'm just I could keep going all day. <laughs> not to lead to paralysis, like, hey, I have to wait until there's a perfect motive for me here. But for us to just know and acknowledge that by God's grace, we can move forward with these imperfect motives. We can continue to pursue these things that we want to see and trust that I do believe this. I do believe these gospel truths about me. I, I am in the best faith that I can manifest at that point, right? Lord, help my unbelief. I'm going to continue to walk forward in that. So I think there's a lot of that, that I still just struggle with it. But what has changed, I think, is it's more in the light. Mm. Is that as we've walked in this, I recognize my own tendencies. I recognize my own personality. I recognize my own indwelt needs for people to approve of me. And I think as I see that and bring it to the cross, that I'm able to have more freedom, hopefully day by day, just be able to walk in that more and more. An anchor verse for me and for us, and we've talked about this, I think, in other places, but 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God at work within me. And so all that's contained in that verse, by his grace, I am what I am. I think because Paul was walking in this, in this, exactly this faith, this gospel truth, that he's been accepted, that he doesn't have to earn, he could say, I am what I am. And to say that very simply. And for me, over time, to even grow and be able to say, man, by God's grace, I am what I am. This is who I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But then even beyond that, for him to say, by his grace, I've worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but his grace that was at work within me. Now, I wouldn't say that. I know there's many, even of our colleagues, national partners who work harder than I do. Like in an, objectively, I could look at them and say, I did not work harder than that guy. <laughs> but I know also there's times when I can say things that may sound like boasting initially. I can say it because I'm free in Christ and because of that identity, because I know that earning doesn't affect my value and my worth. I could say, you know what? I did work hard. You know what? We did do good. Yeah. But also it was not me, but it was his grace at work in me. Yeah. And all the ways that that frees us, it frees us to live. It frees us to feel his acceptance. I think it also frees us to feel disappointment in our work without it crushing us. Mm. It frees us to fail and it not totally destroy our identity. Mm -hmm. Because if you're wrapped up in these other things, failure destroys your identity. Mm -hmm. It destroys who you are, sends you spiraling into depression or, or whatever. And if you're founded on this, you can fail and still move forward because you know you're still accepted. And so it's that freedom, freedom both to perform or to seek achievement, to work hard and not like feel bad about it, and also freedom to fail and continue to get up and to move forward. I think that's so that's summed up so perfectly when Paul talks about that. By the grace of God, I am who I am. It's something that I aspire to say more, something that I aspire to grow in, and something that, that I aspire to teach others 
in and model that to others? I think I would share with listeners a lot of the growth for me has come through what I would just call like brainwashing myself, tons of input of truth. Like you just gave your core verse for that. You have memorized that. You have meditated on that. And I think we all need verses like that. That's what we go to for our identity. For me, it's being his. I'm his beloved. I'm his chosen. And I am precious in his sight from Isaiah. Have those life (laughs) key verses to remind yourself and just brainwash yourself with it. And you said having it in the light. And I think community is really helpful. No doubt. And when you see different personalities, different tendencies for where we're getting worth, it helps you understand yourself because you see people that are different than you and you can remind one another and give grace to one another and remind each other of truth. We need to remind each other of the truth about who we are. That's very powerful. And I am super thankful. My mom said things to me when I was growing up. You can be anything you want. You can be the first female president of America. Oh, you have the world in your hands. Oh, you could be anything. And I'm really thankful for that. I think like it just gave in me this sense of, I am going to try hard. I am, I'm not going to be afraid of attempting great things. And I'm just super, super thankful for that. Now, I did have a a hurdle (laughs) to cross when that dream had to be switched to being a a missionary. (laughs) However, I'm still just so thankful for those those life-giving words that were given. And so I think we have to brainwash ourselves and we have to brainwash our kids and the people around us and go overboard even, yeah, right? And true. telling our kids when we see our ki- daughters taking selfies, we need to go out of our way to remind them both how beautiful we think they are and you're so much more beautiful on the inside and that's what really matters. Some of those things that are probably going to get some eye rolls, we need to still say them. That's right. I, I don't think I ever was like, thank you so much, mom, for those words of life. I really feel so much more self-confident right now. I never said that. I probably rolled my eyes at her, but that has stuck with me. And the volume of the world and the volume of the voice of our accuser is so high and mm-hmm. there's so much of it that you do just need to have these things in your life over and over again. People that love you that are reminding you of those things. And even if it's hokey and cheesy, like Mm -hmm. you said, to just say Mm -hmm. it, speak those words, speak life Mm -hmm. into the people that we love, especially our kids. It's such a huge thing. Awesome. Wait, you don't have like a, where's your preacher like conclusion to wrap up? (laughs) Babe, come on. um... No, let me say this, this, the shoe thing. If you came for the shoe illustration, I just, man, just let that stick in there. That's such a great, what's your value? What's your price tag? Man, just walk away with that. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. Oh, there it is. 